0: Hello and welcome to the In Good Faith podcast, where two friends talk about society and culture through a Christian lens and in good faith. That is, we approach everything with charity and curiosity.
1: My name is Chong and with me on the other line is Dan Shi. How's it going, Dan? I'm good, thanks. Um, To be honest, I'm equally, I'm equal parts super excited and nervous about this episode because this is our launch episode. So we are planning on uh, recording our first ever one and kind of like kicking this whole in good faith project off aren't we
0: yeah that's right and i guess you know we should kind of explain ourselves and a bit about who we are and what is the purpose of this podcast and i thought we'd take our little blurb you know the two friends etc and kind of just um, break it down because i think it'll give our listeners a good sense of who we are why are we doing this and you know the kind of value that we're trying to add right given all the millions of podcasts out there what do you reckon
1: yeah it's a good blurb because it basically says everything that we want to accomplish in there so it's a good idea to kind of just um, break it down piece by piece and sort of elaborate on what we had in mind and everything
0: yeah so it's two friends talking about society and culture through a christian lens and in good faith so starting off two friends um yeah i think the one of the best things about a podcast is um, you know you're listening in on a conversation and my favorite ones are ones where you know the hosts have good chemistry and it's like you're almost sitting at the table and joining in the conversation so I think it's good to have that chemistry and um, I think me and Dan we've been friends for what like over a decade now so you know we've got some good reports. yeah exactly so I think um, well hopefully it'll come through um, in these episodes have you got any other thoughts
1: Dan? Well, yeah, um, we share a lot of similar interests and ways of thinking. I think we um, we met at church, it was uh, 10 years ago at Grace Point Church, um, and I think I was actually your Bible study leader the first time we met, and uh, I was... We were uh, going to meet up to read the Bible together and I was going to, you know, make you a better Christian and, you know, <laughs> teach you more about Jesus and all that stuff. And then little did we know that sort of blossomed into a, a lifelong friendship, into a beautiful friendship. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, but I think like just along within two friends, like one of the things that we share is that we both feel like we're caught between two worlds in a sense. So we're, we're both Uh, we've got this old and new dynamic going where very much modern children, um, but because of our faith, we're grounded in a lot of older, slow, traditional uh, values and sentiments. And I think we're going to elaborate a little bit more on that later, aren't we?
0: Yep. Yeah. And it kind of goes into the next part of our blurb, which is we're going to be talking about society and culture. And so, you know, society which is like a community of people that lives in a particular place um, with their own customs and laws and so on, and culture, which is kind of like the ideas, the customs, the social behavior of a particular society. And the kind of TLDR version of this is that we want to be talking about um, you know, people, how they relate to each other, and you know, some of the ideas surrounding that. Um, have you got any other thoughts, Dan, around our approach to this topic?
1: Yeah, so we had this idea about a year ago. So about mid 2019, we were, you know, playing around with the idea of starting a podcast, but neither of us got motivated enough to ultimately pull the trigger. And then plus, you had your second kid around that time. And that kind of killed our momentum a little. I wrote that out. And I just realized saying out loud how much blame shifting that is. Uh, <laughs> but sorry about that. Um, but you know, sorry, not sorry. It's the truth. <laughs> anyway, what ultimately got us off the proverbial couch, I guess, was COVID-19 hitting and shaking up our world and uh, all of us going into lockdown. And I actually remember a couple of months ago, we both got to this point in life where we were just struggling about everything coming to a halt. And we were both feeling bored and anxious because all of those normal distractions of life were gone. And well, long story short, you know, everyone decided to start learning how to bake sourdough (laughs) bread. And we decided to start this podcast. Um, so I'm talking about this because we're starting with this podcast with this awareness that the uh, coronavirus pandemic has fundamentally changed our world. And we're still very much in the process of working out how. So, you know, um, I mean, talk about how globally the world order is shifting mm. economically, um, seismic cultural shifts, those kind of things. But I think one of the things we've noticed is that it's really challenged The assumptions that ordinary people have About the relationship of humanity with the world And it's kind of made us all feel a little bit more fragile uh, A little bit less sure and certain about how the world works, you know Um, And so we want to bounce off of that And we want this podcast to be a space to Sort of ask questions for the age of coronavirus You know, everyone's been talking about age of coronavirus And Mm. stuff like what's the meaning of human life What do we need in life in order to thrive for humans what's modern existence you know what what's working for us in modern existence and what isn't and those are the kind of things we
0: <laughs> so I, I can't help dan but just feel incredibly uh intimidated at what you have just proposed <laughs> they're extremely big questions dan um but let's keep going so through a christian lens is the next part so you know as our resident bible college student can you explain a bit about that
1: okay yeah so so uh, one of the concepts you hear a lot about, you know, when you're doing Christian studies is this idea of worldview, right? So it's this idea that most people have a set of core beliefs or values, and that's the the, the framework through which they view their world, right? And the two keys of a hmm. worldview is one, that it's internally consistent, right? So it's, it's logical, it makes sense with itself. Um, You don't hold beliefs that contradict each other, right? It's not natural for a human to hold two contradicting beliefs together for very long anyway. Um, And the second thing is that it's comprehensive in that it has an explanation for everything in life. You know, so when we talk about something in our podcast, like a particular topic, like, I don't know, say say gender and sexuality or technology or even pop culture and movies, what we're interested in doing is, we want to share how our deepest Christian commitments and values inform our views and our opinions. Um, so if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, you'll be familiar with this process because, you know, whenever your church holds like a seminar or a topical study on something along the lines of, you know, what does the Bible say about uh manhood and womanhood or how should christians vote or how should christians Mm -hmm. view hollywood or something you're 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 basically looking at something through a christian worldview and that's what we want to you know keep doing but we don't want this just to be for christians we also want non-christians to listen along and get something out of this as well so chong um do you want to share what we had in mind for our non-christian listeners
0: yeah that's right and we yeah don't want to be in this like Christian bubble uh, because you know we're not like that in real life. You know, we have friends who are Christians. We have friends who are non Christians. We're hoping many of them would be interested in you know hearing from us, um, you know because they are, they're our friends and they like us and stuff. But we're also aware that hopefully you know as this podcast you know gaining some momentum that we pick up other listeners too. And of mm-hmm. course none of them or not all of them are going to be from a Christian background. But I think it's still. When we're talking about from a Christian worldview I think it's still um, helpful for non-believers just to hear about you know what do Christians think about this right not that we're trying to um, be the one voice about what all Christians think but I think yeah it's um, useful to just be exposed right to different perspectives and often you know if you're a non-believer you probably don't have that much kind of knowledge or understanding of Christian concepts or why Certain people think, you know, a certain way. And so hopefully that's what we can bring in to, yeah, your your life as well.
1: And I think I just want to emphasize that we don't, if you're non-Christian, we're not interested in, if, uh, I guess, converting you to Christianity. So I quote unquote evangelism. Our goal is a little bit more humble, I suppose. We just want you to be able to hear how Christians think and mm. maybe just uh, gain a little bit insight into, you know, what... Uh, how we view the world and that kind of thing. Um, And and similarly, for non-Christians, we're not interested in telling... I mean, for Christians, we're not interested in telling Christians what to think either. The only reason we included the Christian lens thing is because being a Christian is... Well, for me and Chong, it's an inescapable part of our identities, and we wouldn't be able to speak sincerely Mm. if we didn't come from a Christian perspective, you know.
0: And yeah, so now we get to the last part of our blog, which is In Good Faith... And I'd like to kind of give myself a little pat on the back for this one. It's kind of got that double meaning, you know, so uh, in good faith, we're coming from a faith perspective. um, But good faith itself um, is, yeah, a really interesting concept. So I just want to unpack that um, a little bit. We've kind Mm. of divided it up into um, charity and curiosity. Yeah, so I just want to unpack um, what charity means. And I think there's a few elements to it. So uh, the first thing I can think of is you know, we want to demonstrate respect, right? And I guess from a colloquial point of view, it's don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, listen to people. Uh, don't be a troll. Don't just be, like, spreading outrage and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I think there's, yeah, there's um, a place for respectful conversation and hearing each other's views. And, yeah, um, and I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, I think, secondly, we want to be charitable in terms of how we... Give credence and analyze different um, ideas and worldviews. So I don't know, Dan, if you've heard of this uh, phrase called straw manning.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard of the other one that you mentioned, steel manning, though. Mm.
0: So a straw man is basically when you take someone's, you know, idea or argument, and then you kind of package package it up in a very weak kind of way, and then so it's easier to kind of argue against it. And uh, the opposite of that is steel manning, which is basically. You take someone's idea and rather than trying to to tear it to the ground, you try to come up with reasons for why, you know, they hold that belief. You know, what are the actual, you know, good elements to it? What what are the strong elements? And can you then argue against that, right? So we want to be generous, you know, to our, not necessarily opponents, but just like to other views rather than just very cheaply trying to knock it down.
1: So it takes a bit of courage and, um, well, a bit of courage and confidence in your own point of view to be able to do that, doesn't it? Because you're basically saying, I, I want to represent someone who thinks different to me. I want to represent them fairly and acknowledge mm. that they have good points that I need to heed as well.
0: Yep. And the um, other aspect that I also want to bring in is just as a ma- matter of uh, pragmatism. So, like, we need to get along in society because there's just so many different views, especially we live in a very multicultural place like Australia. Um, You know, you have people from different backgrounds, different uh, religions and belief systems. Mm. There's just no way that, like, one side can win all the time. Mm. It's like... And you see kind of uh, conversations coming out of America, like uh, common good conservatives, right? Mm. So people with, like, um, a Catholic faith who are like, if only the government was... Ruled according to you know Catholic Christian principles, how mm. great was, would society be? And it's like, well, how realistic is that? You know, like, are you actually going to impose like a theocracy on people? Well, mm. no, right? That's not going to happen. Mm. You know, no side is going to win everything. So we have to have a way of getting along, right? Of finding common ground, of coexisting. And so I think you know the, the principle of charity is important to kind of get us there. Yeah. Um, and I guess just as a final point. It also just comes from the biblical uh, injunction, which is to love everyone, right? To love your enemies, to love your neighbours. And I think, yeah, that is a motivation, right, that comes from um, the Christian worldview, is we are no better than anyone else. You know, we are all fallen, we're sinners. And yeah, we were loved by God first. um, And so we don't have any excuse but to love others. And as part of loving others, I think, is treating their their identity, their beliefs uh, with respect.
1: Mm. And Jesus pretty much says that word for word. He says in in Matthew chapter 6, you know, uh, the general rule of thumb you hear is that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemies. And then he goes and... and you know, basically flips that on his head, or or takes it up to eleven and says, "No, you want to be able, you want to treat your enemies in the same way that you would treat your neighbors, treat your family, treat those you love." And so um, that's definitely something that's very much informing what informing mm. how we want to do this podcast. And I just want to add this whole charity thing. And can I say that this is probably the heart of. In good faith, the podcast because mm. this is pretty much the th- the thing, the product that we want to bring to the table. We want to start a dialogue that's full of charity, that is um, something that people who disagree with us can listen to and feel like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense, and and I get where these guys are coming from. And I think it's so much of news and media right now is is about trying to defeat your opponent and gain ground on them. And the thing yeah. I find so funny about that is. Well, most of the time, your opponent—they're the people that you live with, that you coexist with in society, and so you can't win. You can't def- You're not going to make them go away just because you want some kind of debate, right? If you win yeah. the debate, quote unquote, but you don't do it with grace and humility, then you didn't actually win because all you did was probably turn your neighbor or a potential ally into even more of an enemy. And yeah, so like, we, we, won- we all lose, right? In, in, a, in a sense. Pretty much, and we want to do the opposite of that. We want to, whatever divide you see, whatever chasm between two views, two cultures, two religions, we want to st- straddle, like stand in between those two and, and help dialogue, help you know, help the dialogue along.
0: Mm. Yeah, and the second part of In Good Faith I want to touch on is the charity, but also curiosity. And so, it's kind of getting to your point, Dan, about, um, yeah, we're not interested in a debate where we kind of just attack the other side we're just like you know defending our own side or justifying or you know agreeing disagreeing or whatever um it's about seeking understanding it's yeah even if you have an opponent right whose views you disagree with maybe there's like a nugget of truth right maybe like mm-hmm. they're not 100 percent wrong you know um, you think that they're 70 percent wrong okay so what's the 30 percent that they get right and, and what can we learn from that um Mm. and you know being curious it's about you know uh we could touch on various topics um broadly in society and culture it's a very yeah big uh world to draw from so we want to be thinking broadly but um you mentioned before we want to think deeply as well so what are those kind of underlying core beliefs and worldviews and dare i say metaphysics (laughs) right is is what we want to um uh, get into as well in in
1: in this podcast and i think one of the things that Give us confidence in in such a big uh, in such a big project that we have is that we as Christians we fundamentally believe that um, all humans that we there is a common human nature that we all share. So as part of our faith is that we have a faith that um, at the end of the day we have we have a commonality. We're part of this human species. Um, we share. Humanity, And that means something. And that means that um, we can trust that if we ask enough questions, if we're curious enough, if we're winsome enough, if we're charitable enough, we'll sooner or later be able to find common ground even with somebody who thinks really, really differently to us and And can I just add another thing is um so we've got these two c's Can I just add a third c we've got charity, curiosity, and i can't decide if I want to say courage or confidence, uh, but we'll I guess we could sort that out. What I mean is I think the scary part of holding a public dialogue in good faith is that it requires your vulnerability, so we need to be ready to be wrong. Or to have our faith challenged. Like, say, if we discuss a topic that makes Christians look bad or causes us to question our own assumptions about life. But, you know, we're committed to doing this because we have a high view of the Christian faith. So I don't think that uh, being a Christian or or, or the Christian worldview is so flimsy that, you know, entertaining some challenging ideas will make it all fall apart. So Hmm. we have this commitment to um, trying to get into the heads of, People who think differently to us and try to see, well, what good points do they have, and and that takes confidence on our part to do.
0: Yeah. So speaking of vulnerability, Dan, um, I think that's a good segue into what we want to talk about today um, <laughs> yep. for the rest of the episode. And yeah, it's uh, I think uh, would be maybe fun or interesting for um, our listeners to hear a bit about ourselves and how you know our life story has contributed to the way that we think. You know how mm. how we live and and how we think about various things so uh, i sort of told us to go away do a little bit of homework and you know come up with you know reflecting on our lives thinking about you know what experiences that we've had and how that has yeah shaped us so maybe dan can you kick off first and then i'll and the the kind of uh conceit to this is that we'll be kind of unofficially interviewing each other and asking each other questions so hopefully yeah it, it'll be a bit spontaneous as well
1: yeah no problem actually it'll be really interesting because i think i'll learn stuff like basic facts about you and your childhood Ooh. that i feel like i should know already having known you for 10 years so <laughs> this will be interesting yes um, so, yeah. awe in a, in a <laughs> opening podcast yeah so i was uh so i'm living here in sydney australia now but i was actually born and raised in new york in new york city Um, grew up there and um, I guess the general stereotype is that New York City is this uh, the liberal center of the world it's a cosmopolitan city Uh, it's a cultural melting pot Um, you have people from diverse cultures and backgrounds and points of view coming from all over the world different parts of the world to come and try to make Mm -hmm. it in New York City and so I think um, a lot of in a lot of ways growing up in that environment has um, sort of shaped me to uh, I guess um, think not just in one particular way but to assume that just because I have a belief on something doesn't mean that I, I have to be right on that and maybe I could mm. be wrong and someone else could be right on that Um and so there's a bit of diversity in in terms of my childhood and upbringing but also paradoxically I found myself in an Asian bubble as well. So I grew up in Flushing and it's basically um, oh it's kind of like a second Chinatown and in a lot of ways yeah. I think it's actually a bigger Chinatown than the you know famous Chinatown in New York. Um, I went to a selective school where 75% of the students were second generation Asians and you know kind of the way things work is you know when you when you uh Immigrate into a new culture, you're gonna stick with people who are like minded. Yep. And so, in a way, I'm growing up, I could have had more friends mm-hmm. from different walks of life, but I hung out mostly with Asians as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my Th- that's interesting,
0: Dan. Like, did you have any like uh Anglo American friends or even African American friends?
1: So, I remember in high school, it was pretty much Asians all the way down. <laughs> um, but in elementary school and junior high I was a whole lot more so I remember in junior high I actually got invited to like 10 bar mitzvahs one year because um, you know the local school there was a huge Jewish community and so that, okay. that was pretty big as well but uh, yeah I think for the most part a lot of my closest friends were were Asian or you know second generation yeah. Asian
0: yeah that makes sense um, and I think speaking for myself so I'm kind of like a, I guess, uh, immigrant background. So I grew up in China, I'm kind of like a mid-sized city. Um, moved out to Australia when I was about seven years old. And yeah, I guess just from that point, I was kind of in between cultures. So um, yes, I was Chinese, but then I also felt like this um, longing to also kind of belong, right? To, to be an mm-hmm. Australian as well. Mm-hmm. So I think like, yeah, from an early age, it's about appreciating that, you know, we can have different points of view. Uh, because I, you know, I'm holding it, you know, within myself. These two, two different viewpoints. And I think also growing up as an only child as well. So spending a lot of time uh, by myself, doing my own thing, mm-hmm. whether that's like just reading books and encyclopedias, or you know, playing strategy games like Warcraft and Starcraft <laughs> and all that stuff, um, and even just going to going places by myself, catching and training by myself, which is I guess a bit unusual these days. Um, people don't let their kids do that anymore. But I think yeah, it's just um, a reflection of that you know i tend to be pretty independent and you know introspective and like Mm. a free thinking kind of person and i think it was only later on that it really blossomed but i think like that was kind of present maybe in the early years as well
1: so i i actually credit you with opening my eyes to one of the the most the purest joys you could ever experience in in, in human life, and that is wow, that's going a big to them. <laughs> it is, it is, and what it is is going to see a movie in the cinema by yourself. <laughs> and I had never, no one has ever told me that you were allowed to do Dude. that until you came along into my life. And to this day, I will be forever grateful. If we just stop being friends right now, you will always have left that lasting, indelible mark on my life. <laughs>
0: So I, I don't know whether to be like, um, proud or dismayed that like you've kind of revealed this side to me, Dan, that, you know, I'm just like a, a sad loner that likes going to movies by myself. But, no, but, but God's actually, taken know...
1: that and just blessed people <laughs> with it, you know, like, because now I've been freed. i realized there's no stigma. There's no stigma. I can go and see Star Wars on my own. I don't have to talk to people and I can eat the whole popcorn by myself. <laughs>
0: But but I was only doing that like before I got married, so I don't know what you're, what you're talking about, Dan. As a married man, you're still doing that.
1: Oh, man. Okay, we do have to draw the line on what we reveal here in this inaugural episode, especially because <laughs> our wives are probably going to be the first listeners of this. Um, yeah. But I did have a question for you. Um, I was yeah, curious. Sure. Um, you said you moved to Australia at age 7. Um, do you remember much from... Your uh, life in China before that, and has that sort of play- had an impact on you to this day?
0: Yeah, um, probably. If I kind of you know really force myself to think about it, um, I do remember some things, and they were kind of reinforced a little bit by you know me going back there like every few years. So I kind of um, mm. have a, a, the m- memories of you know my grandma's apartment where I lived and you know hung out for a lot. But I think overall. To be honest, not really. And I guess that's there's always been maybe like a melancholy thing, you know, is that I, I've never really kind of gotten to know or gotten close to my extended family that much. It's basically mm-hmm. me, my mum, and dad in Sydney. Yeah. And yeah, so and I, I guess like, you know, in the last few years, um, at least, you know, I have WeChat and, you know, I, I'm in touch with my um, cousins every now and then. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, not that much connection really um, to China.
1: Hmm, fair enough. Um, well, that's uh, sort of our early childhood, and we want to talk a bit about high school and beyond now. So, did you want to uh, kick off what high school was like for you, Chong?
0: Yeah. So, kind of um, similar to your experience, Dan. So, um, I also attended a academically selective school. It was an
1: all-boys school. Nice. Humble um, brag. Go on. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but I think, like, the one um, thing, well, you know, I can go on ages, but um, just to summarize... Um, I think the one good thing about my experience is that it it was a peculiar school in that like it also kind of emphasised being a well-rounded person right you do sports and music and arts and various things like you weren't just expected to do well academically mm. um, so I think like, you know it, it, it is a very um, formative age right that that high school age and I think just like being exposed to that culture of like being um, sporty and getting into, into the school spirit and all that I think it it did kind of give me an appreciation of yeah the importance of being a, a well-rounded person.
1: And the funny thing is, um, ironically, I had sort of an opposite experience to what you mm. to what you had, because my high school, rather than being an all rounder, I felt like. Almost like I was this fish that was plunged into a fast moving river and all the other fish around me were, were like keenly swimming all in the mm-hmm. same direction, you know, and everyone was striving for one thing and one thing only and that was academic success that lays the foundation for a comfortable, materialistically uh, prosperous, upper middle class lifestyle. You know, the, the classic, mm. you know, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or a failure choice, right? And... You know, the Did thing is... It a failure? I, yeah, yeah. It's a, those are your three choices, right? <laughs> oh, okay. a failure. Okay. And, well, the thing is, I was never a good student, and I never felt like I could adequately compete with my ambitious and high-achieving classmates. And that actually, that experience actually led me to lose interest in, I guess you could call mm. them the hard disciplines, right? Like math and science, um, st- the STEM, right? Technology, engineering, that kind of thing. And it actually fostered for me a passion for the humanities, because I was finding in things Hmm. like philosophy and literature, and also my Christian faith. um, It was something that could be good at while not having to really compete with my peers. So ironically, I ended up with this uh, sort of um, interest and passion for society and culture. uh, But it came out of you know, my failure to please my Asian parents and, you know, go into computer engineering like my dad is in or something like that.
0: Interesting. So, it's just, it all turned out pretty well for you then.
1: Oh, absolutely. Classic example of, uh, you know, God taking bad things and turning it into good.
0: (laughs) Yep. So, um, I guess, yeah, we've gone from high school and now we're entering university. And I think, yeah, this is really um, the point where, and again you know that formative age of teenager and and young adulthood yeah and i think like my most um maybe cringy but also you know very uh strong experience or or memory of of going to university is like this sense of like wanting to fit in right like Mm. um i really wanted to and yeah it's interesting because i was i was doing law actually yeah so (laughs) dan i actually became one of those like uh high achieving you know on that successful track kind of person studying law at a university um but yeah they were just like a lot of that i perceived to be like cool people right they're kind of elite people they're from like mm-hmm. private schools or other selective schools and so i definitely was felt a bit um i felt a bit intimidated um and yeah part of me was just like oh man i really need to fit in with these people right like what can i do to kind of please them or get into that group and so Mm -hmm. i think that also led me to kind of be more um yeah just thinking about what other people were thinking right trying to figure them out you know so Mm. i think that that was probably a a prompt for that um and i'd say like the the two other big things well in terms of what i studied so i studied um a bachelor of arts i I did various things i was kind of like you dan i was interested in the humanities Mm. And I actually majored in philosophy, of all things. (laughs) So, um, I guess, yeah, that's where our similarities also lie. Um, But I I still have this, like, really fond memory of studying this this subject called the classical mind. So, it's like looking at ancient Mm -hmm. Greek philosophy. And just coming across this this quote by Socrates, right? The unexamined Mm -hmm. life is not worth living. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, it was was such a profound, you know, this was like 20-year-old me coming across, you know, all this... um, wonderful, you know, ancient wisdom and just thinking about how, and I I think that's also kind of been my unofficial motto, like going forwards is like, let's just, you know, examine, live a um, examined life rather than kind of Mm -hmm. an unthinking and unreflective life. So I think that was actually quite, quite important for me. Um, And yeah, in terms of my other degree, so I, I did law and I think you know for most people they they do it because you know it's a lucrative career or whatever, but actually I did appreciate um, the kinds of subjects that we did and just learning about the legal system itself and it definitely gave me an appreciation of you know just this, these concepts right like the constitution and the rule of law right kind of bedrock mm-hmm. kind of foundational you know western societal uh, principles um mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, yeah, we'll get into this in in future episodes, but it really gave me a deep, you know, appreciation. It's like, wow, you know, like, we were honestly, back in time, we were pretty, like, savage to each other, right? And over many centuries of, um, yeah, societies rising and falling, there was this place in in England, right, that kind of had this revolution and, um, you know, the king was kind of, forced to um, submit to his subjects in a way. Like, I'm, I'm kind of simplifying mm-hmm. things, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, that he was no longer the uh, supreme ruler over everything, but that, yeah. that there was a balance of the executive branch, the, the legislative branch, and the judicial. And it's like, yeah. wow, you know, this came out of human uh, ingenuity, right, in terms of inventing the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. And
1: uh, now I'm sounding like a legal nerd, so I'll stop. <laughs> well, actually there was something i wanted to ask you hmm. which is um so when i met you you were i think you were just finishing up your law degree and one of the impressions that i had of you was that you were really cool <laughs> oh, really? um and well yeah i mean you, you don't need to deny it or be humble about it <laughs> no <laughs> no but what i mean is um i did get that sense you know um if you don't mind me saying, the sense that you had that—I uh, suppose—desire to fit into a particular yeah. class of people, what we might call the uh, cosmopolitan elite, wow. or just the societal elite, or something like that, right? Yep. Yep. Um, but anyone who knows you now would say that's not very much not Chong. And just wondering, like, did you see like a point where you sort of, um, you know, you sort of moved your identity away from that? And it became something else.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the word cosmopolitan elite because now it's got like you know this pejorative meaning, right? It's like people who are like you know highly educated, highly mobile. You know, they are wealthy and they can travel the world and all that kind of stuff. And Mm. you know, while I wouldn't call myself wealthy, like back in those days, um, I did try to, yeah, in my in my university days, like fill my life with experiences, right and Part of it is like this was, you know, around the time when I was coming to church, but maybe I wouldn't say I was Christian yet. Um, But so I guess, you know, my priority was about like, how can I experience the most things, right? How can I Mm. um, travel and see different countries, which I got a chance to do when I went on exchange? That was really awesome. Mm. Um, And yeah, so kind of experiencing that, that side of things was kind of life changing in a way. But yeah, I guess maybe you're asking me about the shift. I think it's kind of um, simple, but you know, when I did become a Christian and kind of submitted myself right to, to Jesus and that I belong to him now, um, I think mm-hmm. th- it does entail like a shift in priorities, you know, a shift in perspectives. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I hope something that we can talk about um, in future episodes is like, like, why is that? You know, like, why does the Christian worldview make sense? You know, me being like a mm. fairly intellectual kind of person, what did I find about Christianity that was actually, you know, satisfying to me? But yeah, anyway, Absolutely. so, um, yeah, once I became a Christian, and I think <laughs> we'll get to the, this kind of final life stage that we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of made me realize, you know, like that all the traveling and life experiences, you um, is ultimately like not satisfying, and th- there's something greater out there, yeah. So, I guess that yeah. was kind of the shift,
1: yeah. I need to share about my uh sort of uni life as well. Um, I guess based off of your story, I would say that our we kind of had a similar high school experience, and then we kind of went our own divergent ways because. I figured I couldn't really roll with the big dogs in terms of like being you know smart and getting your grades and everything like that. Um, and this sounds bad, but it's kind of true because that sort of led me to uh, where I ended up going to college in the states, which is this Christian college. Um, and I did a double major in in uh, philosophy and biblical studies. And um, during this time, I suppose one of the things that uh, happened was my mind became even more open to uh, people of different cultures so one of the things that uh, you do when you go to uni in the states is you often go somewhere that's out of state and uh, you travel and you live elsewhere and that was the first time that I was forcibly removed from my Asian bubble so to speak and I met and befriended and became lifelong friends with a lot of people who came from a very different walk of life you went to Um, Boston is that right yeah, that's right. Well, just a little bit north of Boston, um, okay. about you know, like maybe 30, 40 minutes out of the city. Um, so I also did a. Uh, so I, I also did a philosophy degree, and I can totally relate in this aspect to what you were saying about um, how important you know thinking deeply about things are for uh, mm. for how you live. So one of the things that I still remember is when I took my first intro to philosophy class. Um, it was so almost sort of like a history of philosophy, and you're going through just the different movements of thought in in Western uh, in Western history, right? And yep. it, it was mind blowing how in in philosophy, in high thought, people would come up with certain ideas, and then for the next century after that the ramifications of those ideas would filter mm. down into how we lived and how we did things and how society ran and even into things like entertainment and art and things like that. Um, so just as an example, um, you know, uh, the shift from modernism to postmodernism and uh, how you date that is debatable, but say the moment when people uh, abandoned traditional metaphysics And decided that there's no way to say that there's an absolute truth like that's a really high Mm. concept idea right you don't walk around and you know that's a big impact on your life whether you know uh, morality is absolute or relative right but people were thinking about that and pushing the boundaries of that thought and then um, and then now even today we're sort of living out the ramifications of uh, a postmodern society where we don't agree on what is Mm. ultimately good or what is ultimately evil and I think we keep saying like there's, this is fodder for future episodes. But um, I guess what I, my point is, that was made, what made me fall in love with philosophy and thought and appreciate how important it is. Because you might just be, we're all just ordinary people living ordinary lives, trying to get through our life and get to the end of the day. Um, but how we think and what we think about deep things has an impact on how we live no matter who you are, and it's inescapable. And I think that's the reason we're so interested in, in doing this podcast, isn't it? Because we want to look deeply at how we think uh, in order for it to inform positively how we live.
0: Yep, totally. Um, and I like how you just went on this like passionate rant about philosophy, and that's really great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was one of the things in uni that we both had in common, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, I had a... Um, So speaking of, uh, I guess, philosophy, I had this thought, right? I'd like to think that one of the valuable things that you and I are bringing to the table is our unique perspective in a cultural landscape. So we said before, what we really hope is to sort of um, bridge any chasms Um, and and bring together any divides in people, whether it's like Christian or non-Christian, conservative or liberal, uh, traditional or modern, things like that. Now, you and I, we've both been raised in liberal cities, and we've been formed by liberal institutions. But due to our cultural background and our faith, we have a pretty conservative core. And I feel like um, we do have this I guess, unique perspective because we are we do have one foot in both worlds. Do you feel, do you get that sense, Chong?
0: Yeah, I I do, Dan. That's a really good observation. And I think it goes back to what I was saying about, like, I kind of just feel, you know, pulled into different worlds and kind of never been comfortable in one place. And I think there's an inherent kind of um, tension, you know, or struggle in that. Um, But I think the flip side is that it does give me like greater I guess sympathy for you know understanding of different size of issues because mm-hmm. yeah like there's part of me that's that's liberal right that uh, we can go into it in future episodes there's definitely a part of me that's conservative so mm-hmm. so I feel like yeah like I, I don't kind of neatly place myself in various cultural topics you know for and against like mm-hmm. I, I see myself kind of identifying with but also disagreeing with mm-hmm. like every side um, so you know I think that is inconvenient you know when you're trying to like uh be passionate for a cause right to support the cause mm-hmm. but i think it does give us um yeah like a, a advantage as well i think you know and hopefully that's expressed through this podcast is um how can we yeah, tease out like the nuances and you know the complexities um rather than just you know saying i'm a liberal or i'm a conservative
1: yeah and I, I feel like that's one of the challenges and maybe i'll even say one of the dangers and risks. Of doing what we're trying to do here because we by nature we want to see all sides but we also kind Mm. of have to come down on a particular issue as well so we don't want to just be like oh everyone's right you know everyone's got their own Mm. point of view and we we want to we also want to um, be firm and definitive on things as well now for my part i just want to lay my cards on the table and say I, i feel like because of my Christian upbringing. I've been going to church since I was seven years old. That's when my family sort of converted to Christianity. I've always had a conservative core to me. Um, And for a while when I was younger, I wasn't as sure of my identity. Uh, But since I grew up and settled down and that sort of thing, I discovered core values that have always been there, but only made themselves clearer later on. And so I'm talking about, um, you know, respect for tradition um, and Uh, sort of a general instinctive deference to authority and and a hierarchy in human life. Um, But probably the big one for me is um, what I would say is a pessimistic view on human nature. And I think that tends to correlate to a Hmm. conservative worldview. It's this idea that we aren't born innocent. We are flawed and sinful. And it takes work. It takes tremendous effort to be shaped and disciplined into a good being. Um, and I, I think that's a, a core belief, almost a core uh, part of my anthropology that informs how I yeah, do everything. Yeah, a core me- a metaphysical belief. Mm, mm, absolutely. Now, um, we've just got one section left, which is kind of to talk about adulthood. And um, this is the part of... I think we're gonna, we're thinking about our twenties here, and this is probably the part of our lives where um, you and I have sort of settled into an established identity. Like we kind of figured ourselves out, haven't we?
0: Yeah, I, I guess this is this is like kind of mid to late twenties going
1: into our thirties. Mm-hmm. Do you want to uh, share a little bit about that?
0: Uh, sure, Dan. Um, yeah, and I, I have a few dot points here, but kind of just to um, keep things very simple. Mm-hmm. So what happened was that um, after I did my combined degree in my undergrad um, I kind of still felt like a bit um, unsure of what I wanted to do with my life so after kind of having um, some reflecting on it um, I decided that I'm going to go back to university again but this time to study psychology right because Mm. um, it turns out that yeah I'm interested in thinking about thinking and how people think (laughs) and and all that kind of stuff (laughs) yeah Um, eventually to become um, a a school counselor but uh, yeah I, I think so there's Uh, one way you can look at it is that i'm deviating from that usual path so i was kind of like on the pathway of societal success right like a selective school and then a prestigious kind of university degree and so on and i saw like my other friends kind of going on that path that success treadmill um if you will Mm -hmm. but yeah i think for me it's like well i didn't actually want to do that so again, maybe it's kind of speaking to, like, I just want to do things my own way. And, uh, yeah, part, part of that is, yeah, deviating from it. Um, I guess, obviously, yeah, the the really massive thing is getting married. So, um, I've been married for uh, more than five years now. I should know this off the top of my head. Oh, six years, um, right?
1: Because you got married a year after me, 2014, Yeah, six years. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. There you go. And, of course, like... Um, <laughs> When you get married, obviously it's a massive shift, and I guess I'd kind of boil it down to you are no longer your own person. Mm. Right, you are you are a team. Yeah. Um, and then if you add to that having children, um, then you are also now responsible for other living humans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> other living beings. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I think yeah, you know, if you want to take that responsibility seriously, then yeah, it does have to kind of massively shift what your own priorities are mm-hmm. um and you know you basically you can no longer live for yourself right yeah. um uh, and yeah i think that sense of like sacrifice but you know like very willing and happy sacrifice right mm-hmm. to to do that for your children i think that kind of inherently does make you more conservative right in some in some senses mm-hmm. and yeah I'd, I'd be happy to just kind of yeah explore that with you but yeah but totally you know like go, me going from like happy, well-traveling, you know, cosmopolitan elite, <laughs> right, to now kind of, like, s- settle down with, with a, a wife and two kids, um, yeah, of course, that's going to change things, but, um, you know, I'm grateful for everything that I've experienced, because, you know, all of those things kind of give me perspective, and, yeah, like, bring me to where I am today, right, where I can think about things in a certain way.
1: Yeah, so we, in other words, we've become part of the hoi polloi, am I allowed to say that, the, just <laughs> one one more of the masses? <laughs> Um, no I, I completely agree and I think this is where our sort of uh, our sort of life stories converge again because I've had pretty much the same experience and um, we probably could um, spend another episode talking about what um, marriage and family does to your worldview and that kind of thing um, but very much I um, I found myself suddenly I don't think it was conscious um, but suddenly thinking about, roots you know um, mm. and and it extends backwards and forward like when I started a family of my own suddenly I was so interested in where I came from you know my parents and their heritage my heritage yeah. um but I was also extremely concerned with what kind of um what kind of roots I would be establishing for my future family now you're a father of two I've got a little girl myself and it it's like you're saying that we've um now suddenly I need to think about what kind of a world we're leaving for our children and what kind of uh, a future we're establishing for them and also what kind, what we're on about and what our values are and what identity what aspects of yep. my identity that I want to pass along to my children um, so that's all, all coming together um, and when you bring that all together I guess it does make us shade a little bit more conservative um, which uh yeah, it's funny how it does that.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Dan. And um, I hope our listeners yeah, now know us much more intimately. And hopefully we've made that connection um, as, as two friends. But yeah, I'd like to kind of draw a line underneath that segment. Um, that's enough navel gazing for today. Um, <laughs> would you like to wrap us up, Dan?
1: Yeah, I think very much we feel that the product that we are bringing to the table is ourselves. Um, And so we want to explore, uh, you know, topics that are relevant to you, our listeners, uh, things in society and culture that are inevitably going to impact you uh, and be a part of your lives. Uh, But we want to do so from the perspective of who we are. Um, So if you're a Christian, our hope is that we will, to use a quote-unquote Christian word, we will edify you, um, that will build you up and encourage you. Um, and maybe in the way that we think through things as Christians, it'll give you some food for thought as well in, in how to think through things. Uh, but if you're not a Christian, we well, first of all, we're really thankful that you're listening to us. And our goal is hopefully that um, we can just start a dialogue and that you can just see how the, the way that we think about things and the way that we're informed by our beliefs about God and Jesus, um, I guess just sort of shape you know shape our beliefs on things Um, and so either way whoever you are our goal is to encourage you by expanding your thinking and maybe at least starting a dialogue um, between people who might otherwise uh, never talk to each other and starting a dialogue between people who might otherwise think that their opinion is the the only right way of thinking about a certain thing Um, And starting with ourselves, we want to be less ignorant and fearful of people who are different to us. And that is the whole goal of In Good Faith.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Dan. And yeah, we'll wrap things up there. Maybe just for the benefit of our listeners, what we'd like to do is record on a fortnightly basis. So we might um, record a few episodes kind of early on um, together. But mm-hmm. you can expect us to be, you know, fairly regular on a fortnightly basis.
1: Yep, yeah, and we've got a couple of. Um, we want to try to reach out. We've got uh, Instagram and Twitter. We're gonna. We've. Uh, we want to basically be serious about how, the whole dialogue thing. So we invite you to comment and share your thoughts. Uh, we have an email address for uh, for sending us mail as well. So you'll be able to find all that um, through whatever platform you're listening to. Yeah, it'll be in our show notes. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Chong. I guess we'll call it here. Have a good night. Okay, see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye.